welcome to Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Come and let's enjoy some tunes. So if you think back to the Tripping Up the Stairs episode, I played a tune called Dicks Away from William Dixon. And I think in the podcast I mentioned that I did that because somebody had emailed me kind of asking how I would play it. And so then I played it. And I mentioned uh, Jamie Campbell and had a link to his YouTube, YouTube channel. Uh, kind of ironically, I didn't look closely enough at his YouTube channel at the time to realize that I think already in March he had finished playing and posting every William Dixon tune. Um, and kind of like, I only noticed that he was finished with his, you know, playthrough, uh, when Matt Seattle posted on a couple places kind of celebrating Jamie for doing it. And I was like, you know, I've been thinking of doing that for years and Jamie did it and played it pretty darn well too. So I wanted to have a chat with him, see if he had any big insights uh, about this music uh, and just kind of what his experience was with the book. And we had a lovely chat. So um, that's what this episode is. It's a conversation between myself and Jamie Campbell, who just finished playing, just finished in February, I think, finished playing through all of the tunes in the William Dixon manuscript. Uh, so for for music, I guess we're going to start with, uh, I asked Jamie what some of his favorites were, and interestingly, uh, he came to kind of border piping very similar to how I did, which was listening to uh, Pete Stewart play Mr. Preston's Hornpipe. There's that video of, of Pete playing it that I've played on the podcast before, but it's just lovely, and I'm glad to hear it's a good gateway tune. Like, it's not just me that got bit by a pretty serious bug by hearing Pete play Mr. Preston's Hornpipe. Um, anyway, so Jamie said, yeah, uh, Mr. Preston's Hornpipe and, uh, uh, My Love Passed Me By are some of his favorite tunes he played, even though the first one isn't from Dixon. Um, and so I'm not going to, I'm not going to play it because this is going to be a Dixon podcast where we talk about William Dixon's, you know, 1733 manuscript and kind of how you feel when you've played all those tunes and posted them. Um, but I am going to play Golden Locks, which is one of my favorite Dixon tunes. And it's also one of my favorite of Jamie's performances. Um, and the reason I'm bringing up the Pete Stewart thing is... One of the things that really struck me from watching Pete play was how much your foot should be used. Like, the, the way I should be using my foot. Pete Stewart is an amazing musician, but that dude can operate a foot to really help the music. And I and I feel like I can see that. I can sense that in Jamie's playing of Golden Locks. So, anyway, here is Golden Locks, played uh, by Jamie Campbell from the William Dixon Manuscript. And then Jamie and I will chat for a bit. And then I'll come back to you after hearing uh, Jamie play My Love Comes Passing By Me. Anyway, first, though, Golden Locks. Thank you. 
Jamie, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for doing this. Well, it, it feels, I, I feel like I'm uh, musical royalty getting to talk to you. <laughs> Good, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's 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 me. I'm the kingmaker, I suppose. No, you're uh, a big you're a you're a big deal, man. You're a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, you you've kind of, I don't know. You, I guess, I'm just going to jump right in, uh, if that's all right. Um, sure. Because you've you've sort of done a thing I've wanted to do, but I haven't. Um, and I'm I'm really curious to like kind of get your insights about it. And that's you have um, not only played through all of William Dixon's tunes, but you've recorded and posted them. Uh, and I'm just kind of curious about your uh, experience through that and uh, kind of any insights you have on the, you know, after, after having done it. Uh, I've sent you a list of questions, um, and I, I suppose I might just start with that. Like, do you have any overall thoughts, and then, and then I might work through... Well, I guess maybe I should stick to the questions. Um, and looking on your playlist description of all these William Dixon tunes, um, you mentioned you've been piping since you were 11, um, and now we've talked a little bit offline, so I know a little bit more, but can you share with everybody kind of what your interest, how you first got interested in piping and what your kind of entry to playing bagpipes was, was like? Sure. Well, I, I started when I was 11 years old, which is 50 some years ago now, 53 years ago. Um, and I grew up in industrial Cape Breton in the mining part of industrial Cape Breton. I was taught by uh, Angus McIntyre, who was a, a miner, and my family were all miners. And uh, he was a First World War piper in the Cape Breton Highlanders. Mm. Uh, his people were from South Uist, and my people are from North Uist. Okay. So there's a, a long, long, long connection that goes back there. Uh, and incidentally, he is of the same McIntyres who uh, Barry Shears would have been taught by at around the same time. So we're all part of that same industrial Cape Breton Gaelic culture. Oh, cool. And uh, so what, what, are, what does it look like um, starting bagpipe lessons at 11 in Cape Breton? What's that, how's that <laughs> well, work out? Um, it, really, it really is sort of a connection with your, with your people, I guess, in some senses that I'd go into Mr. McIntyre, and I remember the lessons were one dollar, one, one dollar for an hour, uh, and uh, eventually I started taking lessons twice a week. So I'd go on Saturday morning and on Wednesday. Um, but he, for some reason, I don't know if it was uh, social or musical or whatever, uh, he cautioned my parents against ever letting me to play in a pipe band. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever play in a pipe band. Now, he was a pan band piper from the First World War, huh. and I'm proud to say I, I still have his pipes, a oh, set wow. of old Glens that went through the war with him. Holy cow. Uh, and they're my, they're, they are my absolute treasures. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the, the, I, I was taught um, in the standard way that everyone learns, sort of as a competition in band piper, but uh, I... I've only played in one band, and that was just very briefly for a short time. It wasn't really wasn't my style of playing that I enjoyed particularly. Yeah. So you say you don't really know what his uh, reasoning was necessarily, but he did definitely tell your parents, "Don't, don't let him do this." Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure it related to um, um, the music as much, perhaps, as the social side of it. That in Cape Breton at the time, the the militia would have been the band for, for, for boys. Okay. Uh, the girls had the McDougall Girls Pipe Band, and that, he was involved with that, and it was a very successful pipe band. Hmm. But the militia, for a, you know, for a, for a, a boy going into the militia, I, Mr. McIntyre thought it really wouldn't be a good fit, let's <laughs> put it that way, for me, sure. in terms of the kind of um, lifestyle and upbringing that I had. So he, he, was, he cautioned against it. Now. I'm sure people have joined the militia and had wonderful piping careers and a good social connection through it, but I was cautioned away from it. And what I, what I ended up doing instead was uh, playing Gaelic concerts. And back in the 70s in Cape Breton, Sorry, did I lose you there? Yeah, um, I lost you, right, um, lost you right when you said... Um, that you started playing for Gaelic concerts in the 70s. So I fear a while back uh, is, is when we got disconnected. But 
Yeah, and I'm curious, I was going to ask about that, about like the, uh, yeah, what the music scene was like. After talking with Barry, um, yeah, the, the whole history of uh, Cape Breton piping and for those dances, I'm really curious about. So, yeah. Well, the, 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 the music scene in Cape Breton then, well, the, it, it was actually pretty rich if you were into that, in that world. And the, uh, the old fiddlers would be, um, there, were, there were lots of them. And there was talk at the time of the dying Cape Breton fiddler and um, the, 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 they got together to, to show the world that no, it's not a dying art. There's actually a lot of us left. Sure. So okay. some of those people would be at the at the concerts, and they were playing music that just sounded so. The only word I can use is joyful. It was just yeah. joyful and fun, yeah. and nobody was saying to them, actually, that grace note doesn't belong there. That's <laughs> sure. not the way you play that, or that stress fade. You're playing it too fast. You're not supposed to play it. They if if they liked it, that's the way they played it. Yeah. And um, I started to pick up a bit of that and just really enjoyed it. And it was good for concerts and it felt a little more true to the tradition. Now, I didn't, I wasn't a kitchen piper, as Barry would describe, although I have played in kitchens. Um, people, you know, sit, you know, sitting down playing for square dancing and that kind of stuff. I, that really wasn't what I was doing, but I was, I was playing um, a concert, not, not a competition or band style of piping. Yeah. Yeah, that, that joy of music that isn't, like, that is still just for music or for dance rather than for marks or, or that sort of thing. Yeah. Definitely, definitely relate to that. Um, you kind of, in our discussions, you kind of related that joy to um, to the Dixon tunes. Uh, and I'm, so I, I guess that's the next question anyway. What was your first exposure? Well, I don't know. Yeah, what was yeah. your first exposure to Dixon tunes, and kind of how does how do you connect those two things? Your your kind of okay. Gaelic concert tradition with the Dixon tunes. Well, it, it's there's a lot wrapped up in that. Let me sort of <laughs> unpick unpick it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I started with uh, small pipes that I got from John Walsh and Andy Ganish yeah. in um, the beginning, not the beginning of the pandemic, but a few months into the pandemic. Um, so it would have been the fall of 2020. Okay. That was my first exposure to small pipes. And I got looking around for them and thought it'd be nice to buy something local. Yeah. So I got a combination set from John. He's just a two hour drive down the road. And after a bit of a wait, um, they arrived and I, I just took to them immediately, just loved, absolutely loved the sound of them. Yeah. And that got me chasing down the internet to try and figure out um, you know, where can I find this stuff? And there were a few things that just got me totally enraptured with it. Um, Dick Hensel playing um, Stool of Repentance. Yeah. And it didn't sound like Stool of Repentance. It sounded something totally different to Stool of Repentance, but far better than yeah. the Stool of Repentance that I had heard. Uh, and the other was um, Pete Stewart and uh, Preston's Hornpipe. And it was like, Whatever it is he's playing, that's what I want to play. That yeah. Whatever it is that Pete Stewart is doing, that's it. That's the sound that you really, really want. Yeah. And that, and I know Preston's isn't a, a Dixon tune, but that got me chasing down the border tradition that I really, frankly, never heard of before. Uh, and then into the, uh, into the Dixon stuff, and then the Dixon book from Matt Seattle was just a gift from musical heaven. It, it absolutely, it got me through the pandemic between Dick Hensold, William Dixon, and uh, John. I, they, they got me through the last few years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I had been, uh, I had been interested in finding 18th century piping tunes, and so I had heard of the William Dixon manuscript uh, just by like googling 18th century piping years ago. Mm -hmm. But I and I and I picked up a copy when I was in Scotland, but I didn't really start looking at it until the pandemic either. Um, yeah, such a nice. There's such there's such fun collections of tunes to play through, 
uh, especially when you have an instrument that's kind of cooperating and, and working. Well, and, and and the Walsh pipes are just the ultimate in cooperative. Yeah. They're like my, they're, I have a set of McCollum's now, the Fred Morrison ones, yeah. and I love the sound of them. They've got that nice, rich, deep, woody tone. But if I'm, I, don't know, I was uh, playing them on the on the back step this afternoon, and I come home from work, and they, they'll they squeak every now and then. Yeah. And I, I don't know, is it the reed? Is it my fingers? I've never quite figured it out. So I wouldn't be entirely confident playing them with a concert. The Walsh pipes, I can do anything and they won't squeak. They're right. really quite they're a remarkable instrument that way. There is and the- I, my, one of my problems with my big pipes was you're always messing with reeds. You're always trying like, Yes. Do this with the reed, tape this and do that. And it's like, oh, I don't have time for that. Right. Um, these things, you just pick them up off the couch and play them. They're quite remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, I right now, I, like, I had a real good set of reeds going, uh, especially, like, you know, last year when I was playing every day. It was no problem. And then... And then as soon as I put my Highland pipes down for like a month, like everything oh, yeah. broke, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just oh, yeah. like, like, oh, I'm done with that. And every time you got to pick them up, you got to sort of, okay, there's got to adjust this and adjust that. These and things just there's sort of a joy it. to it. There's sort of a joy to like the finicky pickiness when you have time for it. But when you just want to live in some music, <laughs> it's sort of, it's a lot. Well, of, if you find joy in it, my friend, you embrace that joy. <laughs> you go mess with your reeds to your heart's content. But yeah. I have no... I I have, it's, it brings me no joy whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the music, on the other hand, the Dixon music, I, it was like a puzzle that you have to sort of figure out how does this weird stuff sound and how do you wrap your fingers around it? And once you get it, it's sort of like someone kind of turns a switch and it, you, you kind of figure it out and it happens. And, you know, I, I, I haven't perfected or even got it to a point of being passably good but I can make them sound like the tune almost uh, which was really what I set out to accomplish yeah so I guess that's um that's a question that I've, I've gotten from people before um, and I and I asked you the same thing because uh, of you know kind of doing not only did you play all the Dixon tunes but kind of in a quick uh, quick period like what was your process with those tunes to get them to where you felt like they were right like how did your um, yeah, just, you know, famously, Dixon doesn't have any embellishments or very few embellishments in there. Um, so for Highland Pipers that are used to seeing everything noted, that can be sort of jarring mm-hmm. at first. Um, and the tempo is sort of hard to know for sure. Like, they sound oh, good yeah. at several different tempo- uh, different tempos, but did you yeah. have a principle for, for doing that? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. To be frank, uh, it was just, as, as, the, as the Master Piper says in the book... Um, or a, a quote, I, it might have been from Matt or from someone else. If, if it sounds good, you're doing it right. Yeah, yeah, I, and, think, I think that's a Dick Hensold quote, something along okay, those lines. Yeah, yeah. okay, someone yeah. like that. And it just, yes, it is. Um, and if it sounded fun and joyful and quirky and neat, do it. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't, don't do that. Yeah. And I got a funny feeling that's what Mr. Dixon would have wanted, that that was sort of the whole idea. And I've heard dramatically different versions of the tune. New Way to Morpeth, for example, in your last podcast, you played it yeah. at a much slower tempo than Dick Hensel plays it on Northumbrian Pipes. Oh, yeah. Both of them sound really cool. Yeah. Really, really nice. But as you say, it works both ways. And what I, what I did was try to find as many examples on as many different platforms, I don't know if that's what you call them, or streaming yeah. services, yeah. as many different samples as I could get and listen to people playing, Gary West and um, Dick Hensold and other, other, all those, you know, the great border piper tradition people, um, and see what it sounds like and try and make it sound like that if you like it. And you, I've said this to you before, you are an absolute treasure of a resource. And at one point, I couldn't figure out, dicks away. Yeah. I looked at that music, it's just like, nope, I cannot make that work. That's like a puzzle I cannot solve. Yeah. Um, I sent you a note, you played it for me, and it was like, oh, that's where that goes. And yeah. it, it was like magic. Yeah, it's, I think you're, you're totally right, though, about there being... Um, well, well, thank you. First off, it was really nice. It's nice of you to say, and it was really nice to hear from you saying, "How do you do this?" <laughs> so, like, 
because uh, I'm, I'm always kind of happy to have an excuse to play Dixon tunes or any <laughs> any tunes, you know? Yeah. Um, but I hadn't really looked at Dixon Away yet either. Um, and so it was, I, I definitely understood uh, the challenges that you were, were facing with it. Um, but I'm, I'm struck by how many different ways these tunes sound good. Uh, like I, I was working on Little Wee Winking Thing for that um, the LBPS competition. Yes. Oh and yeah. To me, it was like, oh, this is a slow tune. Like this really works well as a slow tune. Um, and so I kind of played it slowly, and I thought, oh, this is the way to do it. And then I saw Callum's kind of he won with that tune years ago, but he played it so ripping fast, and I was like, yeah. oh no, that's that's also how it's supposed to be. It's it's yes. either a slow tune or insanely fast is how you're supposed to do that one. But that's the joy of it, I think. And it's nobody tells you in in this tradition. We we, I I, I was taught in that you know, regimented way of, no, you can't do that. That's a false note. Right. Or you, you're wrong from it. False fingering. You can't do that. You can't play it this way. You can't play it that way. You're playing it too fast. It's so many beats per minute. That's not how it works. But and I, even now, when I pick up my big pipes, and I haven't done it for a while, but to pick up your Highland pipes and play them, there's something in the back of my head that's always saying, ah, oh, 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 you're doing it wrong. Right. When I pick up my small pipes, I just do whatever I please. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty great stuff. The license to, like where we permit ourselves to explore and experiment mm. um, a little bit more. And, and I think when we were talking about the Cape Breton tradition before, and for me everything circles back to that eventually, um, the, the sound of the music is dramatically different. You, no one would listen to a, um, a Dixon tune or a, anything from the border tradition and say, wow, that, that sounds like it was played at the fire hall in Mabu. Uh, no, it, it, it doesn't. But it's that sense of, of, of joyful abandon in the tune yeah. that, to me, sort of makes it feel more like those traditions are connected than that Cape Breton tradition is connected with competition music, for example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I, I've never... Every once in a while, I'll play around with phrasing in the Dixon tunes, um, just thinking about Cape Breton and, like, the dotting and cutting stuff like because mm -hmm. I, I think matt has insisted that in that there should be or could could be at the very least some dotting and cutting in in dixon um mm -hmm. and sometimes i feel like he's gone so far as to assert that there obviously was um <laughs> yes and other places it's it seems like it's up to up to negotiation for the performance at the time um but yeah it's it's still there's something about those long runs uh that they they feel fine if you speed and slow some parts of them up but they really they they feel akin to that Northumbrian small piping tradition when they're just yeah. long you know staccato runs. And well, the, the the wonderful thing with them that I that I found the joy the joy in it is when you play them a few times and you start to realize that's the same run that he used two tunes ago. Oh right right. And playing them back to back like that, you can sort of it, it's a little easier to solve the puzzle because it's it's like doing crosswords where some of those clues sort of show up a few weeks apart and you remember them. Right. But yeah. with the with the with the runs, what I found was it's like you have to let it happen and let your fingers do it. And if you're thinking about it, it won't work. Right. But if you let your fingers do it, it works. Almost as if it's one thing. The run is a thing, not a series of things. And it's almost like if you were trying to play a uh, and you were putting like saying, okay, it's 17 notes in this. I have to play those 17 notes. You don't, you don't do that. You look at the little note with the C over it and it just pops out. Right. Well, right. that's what the runs are like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't think about it. <laughs> don't think about it. Yeah. yeah. If you have to think about it, it's not going to sound right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Something so, Mr. Preston's hornpipe or Preston's hornpipe, whatever it is, um, comes in uh, a collection of tunes from Lancashire or Lancashire. Uh, the pronunciation that always defeats me a little bit. And uh, but in Pete's book, where he published that, he, he talks about how the variations are sort of dull 
are, are, are sort of boring uh, comparatively. And it struck me as like, there's no way Mr. Preston's Hornpipe is the greatest tune that's ever been written, performed, composed, anything. Like, obviously, Pete's <laughs> wrong about this. And then when I looked at it again, I'm like, oh, no, he's right. These are tedious. Like, these are the same variations over and over again. Yeah. Um, and Dixon, I, I wonder how you feel about, like you say, you're right. It's the same runs that get repeated, um, oh, yeah. you know, tune after tune. But I, I don't really get bored with them i don't i don't know like did you get bored with the yeah. that style happening over and over again yeah some some of them i have to admit i liked some better than others right right maybe maybe because they were easier or a different kind of challenge but some of them i just didn't like and you probably tell where with when i'm, when I'm recording them after i tried them a few times and it didn't sound right I just put my pipes down and said, that one's going out. I'm not going to, no, I'm not playing that one more time. It's right. not going to happen. Absolutely. Um, like the black and the gray. I know it's, it's, you know, it's you know, this great tune and Jim Patterson's mare comes from, from it. And I, I, I can't see how that is, but greater <laughs> minds than mine have been able to see the similarity. Uh, but it's a tune that just, as I was playing through it, I, I know it's supposed to be a great tune, but man it wasn't working for me yeah yeah that some of those are so challenging too um i guess did you did you memorize these tunes like i'm I'm curious famous not famously i guess but um like dorrington lads is on yep. a, there's a there's a page turn in order to in order to do it um yeah oddly I guess. enough oddly enough it's weird it's, this is a this is a weird admission to make um, Dorrington Lads was one of the first ones that I tried to tackle. It's later on uh, that I recorded it, but I'd been playing it for a while. Um, and it was because it was a challenge, and I thought, okay, if I can play that one, I'm going to be able to learn all of them. Oh, yeah. If I can learn Dorrington Lads, I can learn them all. So I learned Dorrington Lads, and that was one I actually did commit to memory. Some of them okay. I didn't because I thought, I'm never going to play that again. Uh, <laughs> sure. But Dorrington Lads, oh, yeah, you got to. And part of the part of the fun of it is working on the memory game to be able to to memorize it. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad. My my memorization game has just. Uh, or, or, yeah, I've because of playing so many tunes for the podcast every other week. Oh yes. I just I haven't really committed a thing to memory anymore, which is always. Uh, this whenever I'm like wrapping up or, or trying to put together a best of album and I get to spend some time with the tunes again, it's it's kind of nice. Like, okay, my repertoire is actually building now. Uh, mm. <laughs> these things are sticking around. But but yeah, I definitely haven't committed a Dixon tune. Uh, well, it's interesting. I tried to talk to Matt about um, Dixon tunes and like border variation sets and Peabrook. And I can't remember exactly what his wording was, but uh, I think it's something along the lines of there's enough other people to worry about Peabrook. Uh, I'm not going to even talk about it. <laughs> and, uh, but I kind of have the same very yep. um, do what I want to musically approach to Peabrook too, where I like, I, I really love those melodies. I've never been trained in Peabrook. So like, I, those melodies stick in my head, and I love some of the variations. I don't remember them perfectly, but I play what I want of them. Um, but I I never have more than one, like, actually complete Peabrook in my head at a time. But I've got about, you know, a dozen half-remembered, yeah. poorly um, poorly executed Peabrook, but, yeah. I you know, pleasant to my ear music. And I have Dixon tunes like that, too. Yeah. Um, so you, as a, you know, trained, you know, person that had lessons and played Peabrook, like, do you, do you see anything... Any similarities between these Dixon big variation sets and and Peabrock? Yes, yes. They're, they're they're less constricted or restricted. The Dixon ones, you never know what variation's coming next. Um, he, but there's 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 certainly a pattern, and if you follow the pattern, it makes it easier to memorize, um, like like Peabrock. But I, I found them in some ways more of a challenge to memorize than a long Peabrock because the Peabrock is so structured that once you get the ground and the first variation, I guess, and then it starts going into the standard variations, um, you can memorize a 12-minute you know, tune um, if, if with about the same amount of effort as it would take you to memorize Dorrington Labs, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, I was talking with uh, Pete Stewart about Dorrington Labs um, and about how I wanted to I wanted to play it, but uh, the fact that it was on a third page meant that it was going to take 
some serious effort for me to to do that. And Pete kind of, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. I mean, but but Pete was like, yeah, Matt did that on purpose so that it wouldn't be, <laughs> so that it would yeah. be, so you'd have to memorize the tune. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's not maybe that's not accurate. But but there's again, it's another one where there there's so many different versions of it. Yeah. And there, there's that, um, I think, Spiro, I think, is the name of the band in England that, that plays it. Mm. And it sounded totally not like the other versions of Dorrington Lads. Yeah, I, I, I'd listened to the, their version of it, um, which is absolutely beautiful piece of music, and tried to play it. And as I was playing it, I felt very musical. I felt very, it was, felt really good. Uh, and then I recorded it, and I played it to myself, and it was it was absolutely horrific. Uh, <laughs> sure. it, was just, it was it was like somebody trying to be something they're not, uh, sure. and it it really didn't it really didn't work. So I went back and listened to some other versions of it and tried to play it a little closer to that. But it's a it's a t- I think it's a tough one to get right. Yeah, I, I think my first exposure to it was uh, the Donald Lindsay. He kind of has an improv set with it on his um, sleeping album. I can't remember what that's yeah. called now. Um, but I had, you know, I had looked at it and read the liner notes about, you know, the story of the death, kind of playing mm. Dorrington Lads and then dying. And then when I listened back to Matt or to uh, Donald Lindsay playing it with that electric guitar coming in, like say, like like death, oh, yeah. you know, I was like, yeah. oh, that's that's really quite effective. That's really cool. But, hmm. So, you know, one of the things uh, on this. Uh, question here is uh or, or these list of questions were um well yeah just in general like your your playlist and in our conversations and stuff you're you're pretty you're, you're obviously humble pretty self-deprecating about your piping which i don't think you should be because this is awesome tunes and like you said it's such a good contribution to just have them all in one place and at least see one way where it's possible um, well, you're, you're very kind but i'll interrupt you for me it wasn't about playing them well okay there were other people who can play them really like people like you and Pete and other people who play them extremely, extremely well. And I realized, what, what, what am I doing playing um, the Stool of Repentance? Dick Hensel plays Stool of Repentance. You don't need to play Stool of Repentance. But that was part of the challenge for me. Play it and record it. It's not going to be as good as his or as good as yours or as good as Pete's, but I played it. That was, that was what it was for for me. So this is a... I guess that's kind of what I'm curious about is, um, was this, was this a like completionist thing? Was this, um, motivation to actually go through with it and record all of them? Did you set out to record all the Dixon tunes or did that just all of a sudden start happening? Well, I was, pl- I was playing them and I was recording them and sending them to friends. That was really all I was doing. Mm. And then I realized, okay, I've, I've got three of these recorded. There's only 37 more. <laughs> sure. And I'd been playing, you know, I'd been record them. I'd play a few here and there, and I just really liked them a lot. And I, I, I thought, okay, this is, this is something worth doing. So I would, uh, I'd, I'd go into my office and play some of them there. When I could, so I wouldn't bother my wife and daughter in the house. I'd, sure. I'd, I'd go down there and play on a on a Saturday morning or a Sunday evening, and record a few tunes. And then I thought. Rather than posting them up on the on, on a Facebook page, I just wait and get them all done first. Yeah. So that was it. It was really so. Yeah, I, I would I would say a self challenge kind of thing, and I'm I'm going to get it done no matter what. And toward the end, it started to get really frustrating when I couldn't find examples of some of the tunes, and that's when I reached out to you on Dick's Way, and there were a few of them I just couldn't no matter what. Play the thing through, and get it right. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I just. I'd play it, and it would be quite satisfactory up until the very last part. And at at that point, I finally said, "Enough is enough. I'm. I'm not going to do this anymore." Right. Yeah. There's a certain. Uh, yeah. There's a certain point, and and some of these old. Old tunes are just challenging tunes, or you're like, nope, that's that's mm. gonna be. I'm gonna wash my hands of them. I, I, I can you know, very much relate to. Feel that. like you're, it started to feel like competition. <laughs> sure, 
Sure. Because it's like, okay, that you didn't get that one just right. Let's go back and do that one again. Well, after you played it 64 times, <laughs> right. it, it, the, the Beatles recorded tunes faster than I did on some <laughs> of these, right? Like, you know, this is silly. It, it really did say, it, it started to feel kind of stupid. So I, I, at that point, I just said, okay, I'm, I'm going re- to leave it as is. Because if you were actually performing it on stage, it would be imperfect every time. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Holy cow. Yeah, I was really empowered by uh, talking to uh, a buddy of mine, Ryan Benke, who's a really good uh, Inland Piper and, and good Highland mm-hmm. Piper. And when I was working through an album, uh, he was like, well, an album is just a recording of a moment in time. It doesn't have to be perfect. It shouldn't be perfect. It's just like, it's where you yeah. are now. Like, don't yeah. don't worry about perfection. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious if you felt your, I mean, as you play more and more Dixon tunes, it's sort of a funny self-selecting thing that it sounds like you didn't have the experience of oh these are super easy now towards the end because you kind of saved the hard ones but um i don't know do you have advice is this a thing you would recommend other pipers do you know pick a pick a collection of tunes and play all of it or um yeah i guess um i I can't say i'd recommend it it depends on who you are and what you like doing and how much time you have um and for me given the time with the, the pandemic and the inability to do a lot of other things and the fact that I absolutely fell in love with that book. Um, yeah, it, it was very much worth doing. I'm glad I did it. I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, I'm not sure I'd do it again with another collection because I, I can't think of one that I have the same fondness for as I do this one. Um, I expect what I will do is go back and start recording better versions of them because I can go back and listen to myself and say, Oh yeah, you can do better than that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, the coming coming back to it after setting it down for a while. Uh, yeah, I can I can feel that. Yeah, and for me, like I I started posting videos, like I, I started posting uh, music videos to social media, like as a New Year's resolution thing, and uh, then the pandemic happened and just like kept going. Um, yeah. And I realized, I mean, I, I made a New Year's resolution about it because I was kind of stressed out uh, and, and anxiety ridden because of grad school. And I knew that playing music made me happier, but I was playing music less and less often. Yeah. Um, but it's it's sort of nice. Like you say, there's recordings that I've got out there that are not great or that like, oh, no, that's no good. But there's sort of something nice in being able to see that and track that progress. Yeah. Uh, and... I, I just know for years, you know, I, I used to be offended when uh, when people would see me after uh, not having heard me, you know, they would see me like once a year at an event uh, and they'd say, oh man, you're such, you're, you're so much better. You're such a better piper now than you were <laughs> last time I saw you. And I, it was sort of like when, it, it always reminded me of when people yeah. would say like, oh, you look like you've lost weight. When you knew, I knew I gained weight, but they just always <laughs> thought of me as being fatter than I was. And so it sort of felt like that. Like, no, you just remembered yeah. me as a bad bagpiper. That's yeah. all this is. I um, just tell them I'm buying bigger clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but it's, uh, but yeah, posting every day. I just think it's, it is so hard. Like I, I commend you for, you know, playing stool of repentance, even though you're always thinking about Dick Hensel's setting. Cause I, you know, for, to a certain extent, that's why my podcast is always focused on historic piping. Um, I mean, there's a lot mm. of really gifted musicians doing that work, but I felt like I couldn't possibly compete with anybody, you know, anybody that was actually competing and, and playing um, bagpipe music. So why would I bother? But like, there's this niche of, you know, historic piping tunes that I'm really interested in that mm. people aren't really doing. So that's a contribution I can make. Uh, but in hindsight, you know, I'm happy to, I'm, I'm enjoying this niche of 18th and 19th century tunes, but um, yeah, just just play play a thing, share a thing. Um, I think it's. Well, I, think well, it's I, th- right. I think what I'm what I what I would hope people would do is we 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 have this community of people spread across the world who are interested in this style of music. I, I'd want to hear more of more people people who aren't the the obviously anything Pete Stewart records. I will listen to over and over and over again. Uh, you know Gary West or those those, those people are, are brilliant pipers, but I'm I'm also in, also interested in hearing non-brilliant pipers. Yeah, no, like ordinary people who are playing this kind of music, and that gives me a special kind of joy when I hear somebody playing that because that that brings you back down to the ground. That brings you 
to the that, that sounds more like you're hearing somebody in a kitchen playing an instrument, playing a kind of music that they love. Yeah. And if you're playing it upstairs in your attic and nobody can hear, I'm, I'm not, you know, that, that's, there's a joy in that, sure, but musicians crave an audience. Even a, a sort of modest musicians crave an audience. You want to have somebody listening, and the Internet allows us to do that. And uh, musicians crave an audience. Yeah. Good musicians crave an audience, and less good musicians crave an audience. And I think it's good when I hear music, I'm happy to, like, if I hear uh, Dick Hensold or I hear Gary West or one of those, I keep using those names, but, you know, Matt Seattle playing something, it's, wow, I want to hear more of that. That's great. But if I hear somebody playing in, in their own kitchen, and it's just not perfect, but you can tell this is somebody who's enjoying this music, that gives me just as much joy. I think there's other people who, who share that view. Yeah. And you can watch someone's progress, and it's a wonderful thing. Because otherwise, you're playing in this sort of vacuum where no one can hear you. Right. Well, I think, too, it's it's because we live in such a connected world, it's so, like, when, I'm, when I talk about 18th century music, like in a museum setting, I mm. often talk about how we just take music for granted now so much. Like, it's it's constantly there if we want it. And we forget that you know, for most of human history, music was there when you made it yourself or had a musician around uh, to entertain yes. you. And that meant that your patience for less than perfectly executed music was significantly higher, which kind of allows regional things to develop in the first place. Um, mm. And yeah, it, there's definitely, in such a connected world, it's really easy to be discouraged from performing from posting stuff you know and sharing it with people but even like why why bother trying if i'm not going to be mark saul i remember mark saul was my my bugbear uh, when i was starting like well I, i'm not going to be mark saul so why am i bother posting anything um and but yeah it's that's not it like it's the joy of music and even like probably these rock star musicians that you know we think in our head like they don't want us not to make music because they're good at it <laughs> like, no it's not exactly that, right? exactly yeah. And and this stuff is old, yeah. but it's also new. Yeah. It's, it's old, old, old music. And one of the things when I'm sharing it with friends is I people enjoy the music and the story of the music. Yeah. It's, part, it's part about playing it, but a lot of it is about the experience around it in telling them where this tune comes from. And this is a very old tune. And this is what the title means. And you know, there's a, a, a group of people who are quite fascinated by that. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, I mean, the stories, uh, the, the stories, real or imagined, uh, I, I think the Irish tradition is a little bit better at uh, kind of saying, don't let, don't let the history or don't let facts get in mm. the way of a good story. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, some of these tunes work that way, too. Well, and, and the, 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 the sound of imperfection is its own kind of perfection. I think that's a kind of a weird statement to make, but I, th I think you're playing it and somebody says, that's not the way it's supposed to be, but I still like it. That's, that's sort of nice. And, I, and I, when I roll that back to that Gaelic concert tradition where you'd hear pipe, uh, the, the, the fiddlers who were someone who would sound like Buddy McMaster, who was perfect in every way. There, that is the the sort of the platonic view of it's it's it, it is what that tune is supposed to be and then somebody else comes on stage and they're just not quite that good but they can make people feel the music they can make their toes tap and the bodies in the in the in the audience are moving around okay you're not buddy mcmaster but you're still doing a really good thing yeah yeah for sure yeah so i guess we've We've sort of been talking around uh, around this generally, uh, but I guess I wanted to explicitly ask this question of like, do you have, is there something we haven't touched on that you think has changed your, do you have any insights to offer us, uh, us folks that are interested in kind of the border music repertoire and Dixon stuff? Is there any, anything click for you that we haven't touched on yet after playing through all of them? Um... Not really, other other than um, it's music that seems like it was meant to be fun and sort of funny. 
If you know that, you get the distinction. I, I think that yeah. there's. I get the funny feeling that Mr. Dixon was a bit of a rogue, yeah. and that there's stuff in there that's sort of like, oh, I see what you're. It, it's like he's playing a trick on you, and it's like, oh, that's that was clever, and it's sort of a twisted around, twisting with the timing and playing with the phrasing and that kind of stuff, and if you approach it sort of as a puzzle to solve to begin with and you solve the puzzle so you can say okay I think I have a pretty general idea of what it's supposed to sound like um, try and find as many different versions as you can and take one that you like and just start playing it and after you play one or two Dixon tunes dip into the book and keep finding more and it, it, will, it will repay the effort many times over I think yeah yeah, I, I like I like that. I think that is a good contribution of these are fun tunes, but also kind of funny. Uh, if you're if you're hearing it so that it sounds awesome or, or kick butt or something, I can't quite remember what Dick Hensel's yeah. quote is. Um, but if if that, but also you have a smirk on your face, I think that might be exactly. a missing a missing component. Yeah. yeah, and I can remember there were several times where I, I don't use a on the old practice chanter anymore. I use one of those electronic chanters oh, yeah. to practice, so I don't bother everybody. Uh, and I'd start laughing, and my wife would come along. What are you laughing about? I said, "You got to hear this. Look what he does here. It's really, it's really kind of quirky and fun. And the timing doesn't fit. There's an extra note. Like, what's the extra note there for? Uh, but once you figure out where it goes, it's just clever and fun." Yeah, I remember the first time the 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 first tune that really drew drew my attention. Uh, was Hitter Between the Legs. Or, mm. I can't remember quite what it's called. Um, Hitter Between the Legs with Your Stick or Hitter Between the Legs yeah. or something. And like it was, a, it was an interesting tune. And then when I just thought about the progression of notes and like the different variations, I'm like, oh, this is graphic. Like the, the ta- <laughs> there is a tale of a, in, a, you know, a romantic relationship here, an, an intimate moment that is being that is being very blatantly spelled out mm. in bagpipe tunes or in bagpipe notes. Uh, that's pretty hilarious. And uh, when I took that to Stool of Repentance, it kind of it helped me kind of visualize these tunes as stories, um, mm. and, and sort of changed. I don't know. It, it unlocked. It maybe broke and unlocked something for me. And um, it's sort of weird. I don't know if you play any other instruments, but. Um, we just get we get so into our heads, I think, as pipers, or at least I do, that in inland piping, there's a couple of these long tunes that they call descriptive pieces. Where you mm-hmm. know, the, the famous one is the Fox Chase, of course. But, oh yes, you know, there's the other ones too. Yeah. yeah, and and it's always like you know, uh, we we talk about it like we invented a thing. Oh, this is a descriptive piece. It's like no, you know, anyone else would just sing a song with words in it, you know, to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and inland pipes are you know prone to making sound effects sound, so you can kind of tell a story that way too um but yeah when i when i started thinking of the dixon tune sort of as descriptive pieces that changed the way i think about it think about the tunes too and i the black and the gray is one of those that like if i think about it as a horse race i like it a lot more <laughs> but but i haven't i actually haven't finished that one all the way through because i think that's another couple pager um oh yeah and uh it's yeah. it's a beast yeah, but somebody competed with a section of it at LBPS uh, this year, and they posted it. Oh, really? And they they used a, I think it's a G grace note, but it's just, it was this perfect, this perfect syncopation of that G grace note that was like I can hear the hooves like kind of clink clink clinkety clinking. Um, it sounded like it was on stone, I guess, rather than a racetrack. But it was it was cool. Hmm. But, I so, might go back and I might go back and try it again with feeling. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, I, you know, for me, um, playing stress bass got a lot easier when I watched dancers dancing oh, yeah. stress bass, like country dancers. Um, yeah. And I haven't tried, I haven't quite gone that route with the Dixon tunes, but I feel like I probably should. Um, but but you'll, you'd see the difference in a Cape Breton time stress bass right. and a competition, you know, the more traditional, I, I, I'm, I'm calling it traditional, but the more... Um, band style of yeah. Strasbourg when you see uh, a dance happening in, in on the floor, right? It, 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 it's made for that, not yeah. for the more sedate kind of um, uh, Scottish country dancing. Yeah, co- Scottish country dancing really isn't part of our, 
of the Cape Breton musical tradition. It's a different style of dance, okay. and I think it informs the way a Strasbe is played. Uh, that we tend to, the fiddlers and, and many Cape Breton non-competition pipers would, would play a Strasbe at quite a brisk pace compared to what a competition piper would play. Yeah. So what's, um, so you got Walsh pipes, um, and those were, those were a dream, and then the McCallum pipes. Are you thinking now after playing Torla Dixon tunes and... Are you going to get a set of lowland pipes or border pipes? Is that on your radar at all, or are you too happy with small pipe sound? I, I'm, I'm, I got to tell you, I, I, I love the small pipe sound a lot. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't try and branch out. But my, my worry is that the, the border pipes are, are going to bring me back to some of the hassles that I had with the big, with the Highland pipes in terms of reeds and that kind of stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Depending on depending on maker, that's you're definitely yeah. They've got a great they've got a great sound. I love the sounds, but just simple as that. But yeah. um, well, that's good of you. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> for for the longest time. Uh, I I definitely waxed and waned about getting. Oh really? I wasn't sure if I was going to get a set of border pipes or a set of Northumbrian small pipes. Um, and I liked the sound yeah. of Northumbrian small pipes more. Um, but I liked the Dixon tunes and like that border piping tradition. And like Northumbrian small pipes plays all that stuff beautifully, but um, but yeah, I decided I, I was already so annoyed by playing a D small pipe channer uh, that I didn't want to inflict more of that on myself. And but yeah, if if somebody hadn't loaned me a set of Banton border pipes, I don't think I would have I wouldn't have done now, it. But now I was afraid the D was the D channer. I have a D and an A channer on my Walsh pipes. Yeah, and I was afraid, and I'm 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 a man of considerable girth and I have sausage-like fingers sure. um, and I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to play the D chanter. After a few hours I, I feel as comfortable with that as I do with a with the A chanter and in fact maybe a little more comfortable than I do with the McCollum A chanter. I don't know why but it's yeah it seems I, to be the way it's worked. I love it when it's working I love it. I mean, it's it's kind of. I have a old. My my pipes are really old too. I think I would probably be more comfortable on like a Walsh D chanter. Um, yeah, my my set of D small pipes are from the '90s or '80s, and Ooh, okay. um, like the the drones are barely straws, um, and the I think the reeds might actually be oat straw. Like they are. Um, oh, okay. They are they are an ancient instrument as well. It's like you're playing a flip phone. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what it is. Yeah, or a, or a disposable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, disposable camera is what I'm playing. Yeah, um, yeah. So have you? So you you've you've played through Dixon, and you said you you haven't found another collection that means like hasn't grabbed you as much. What have you looked at, or have you started looking at stuff in earnest yet? Or no, I haven't. I haven't, and, and you know, I'm going to keep listening to the podcast to see what 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 I find attractive, and try and track down a, a version of the music. Uh, probably learn a few of them by ear first before I. You know, oh, that's a good get, question. Get to that point, um, and then look at whether I want to go back and start playing some Highland music again because I've really kind of left that to put it by the wayside, and you know, some of it. Um, when played in a way that I like, I like a lot. Some of it I'm, I've become less enamored with. But. Right. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a happy there's a happy place there <laughs> to, to oh, like yeah. put the stuff aside and uh, pick the things you like. I'm kind of shocked at um, just how much I have no patience for a march. Like I have a couple two four marches that I that I always kind of miss. I always regret not being able to play better. Um, but really, I just, I can't be bothered to play a Highland March. Oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's the thing because... I've been meaning to like work on. Like I need to, I need to find a Dixon type book to make me care about. Okay. Uh, about I don't know marches. where you can find it, but uh, the, the, you've probably heard of the tune, Trip to Marble Ridge. Uh, maybe. Okay, uh, it's a fiddle tune, and if you get the fiddle music, you just turn it into pipe music and play it. Uh, listen to some fiddlers playing it. That's and play that, and you you play trip to Marble Ridge, Don McLean's farewell to Oban and Captain Carswell, and okay. you've got the ultimate Cape Breton two four march set, and you play it 
nice and fast. You don't, 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 don't sit on it like a competition tune. Uh, play it nice and fast. It's wonderful. Yeah, that's good. Maybe that's what I needed. I just needed somebody to say, look at this one. Well, I, I was going to recommend, um, if you haven't looked at um, Pete Stewart's, I, I keep on meaning to do a Pete Stewart episode because he, he's got so many good books, but um, Welcome Home, My Dearie, uh, The Day at Dawes, both are you know big collections of tunes with a lot of interesting okay. history in them. Um, and the the one challenge, I think, for, for some of us, like Highland Pipers, um, are the the tunes are not always written in a setting that makes us comfortable if like we are okay. trained on that staff um, yes but if you i don't know i guess that was the question i was going to ask do you play any other instruments or are, are bagpipes your, your well I, I like every piper i play tin whistle great i play fiddle bit of oh, piano sure. uh button accordion holy cow um bandolin so yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but none of them, none of them will. I, I, my, yeah. As my, my parents said, you know, give him an instrument, he can learn to play it, but he's never going to play it well. <laughs> it's sure. just the way it is. Wow. And can you read music for all those things? Or do oh, you no. just do you oh, noodle no. through It's them all about you. I, I, I read bagpipe music. That's all I read. Oh, okay. Oh, that's and interesting. I, then any other instrument that I play, I'm essentially playing the bagpipes on whatever that other instrument is. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Like I play I, a fiddle. When I play the fiddle, it sounds like a piper playing a fiddle. <laughs> sure. So pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. doesn't work so well on a button accordion, I have to tell you. <laughs> it was weird um, playing around with this harp lately, um, not being able to bend a note or like do a false fingering or something. It was like, oh, yeah. Well, what the heck? What's the point of this thing? I don't know. Yeah, that that's one of those instruments that it looks like it's quite a challenge to be able to make a tune on. Yeah. Uh, well, man, Jamie, I really appreciate you. I appreciate you playing through all the Dixon stuff and and making it available um, and taking the time to talk with me, uh, kind of about your experience with these tunes. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Says so the man like... who's recorded like how many tunes have you recorded, Jeremy? Like Seven thousand. <laughs> <laughs> There is a I did point. F- I, I did forty tunes, and you're treating me like I just stormed Juno Beach, right? I, I, but the forty tunes you played are some doozies, you know. Like, yeah, but it's it's good. It's good stuff. No, I, I'm I'm I think we're all grateful for for the for the work that you're doing and keeping that tradition going and and making it so that people like me have somebody to listen to and say, so that's what it sounds like. And I'm, I'm grateful to you for that. I like, I like to think of myself as giving everybody a terrible example to follow. That's, uh, <laughs> that's here's one well, way. Maybe, maybe, if, if you insist on that, maybe a terrible example is better than no example at all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, great. Well, thank you again. And, uh, I, I really, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope you pick up a Pete Stewart book or, or one of Matt's other books and, and treat us to another playthrough. Be, be well, a Pete, I, I, a Pete Stewart book I will track down. I will, I will, uh, that I will do. Anyway, thank you very much. Delight talking to you. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Take care.
Jamie and I talked about um, the Dickensold quote in the William Dixon book um, that Matt put together. I thought I would just read it to you verbatim <laughs> rather than me kind of half remembering it. But so Dick Hensold uh, says, you have to find a way of playing the stuff that kicks butt. When you have found it, you know, that's how they did it. I think that's right. But I also think that Jamie can help us remember to like do it in a way that gives you a smirk too is, is probably pretty key. There's a lot of humor in these, in these settings, I think. And, uh, I, I don't know. And another descri- and some descriptive stuff too. Um, yeah, I I wanted Jamie to have a big narrative of why everybody should play tunes all the time and post them, um, but he didn't, so I will. Uh, <laughs> even, you know, I kind of love, you know, Jamie didn't do this uh, a tune a day. You know, he did it when he had time and, and when it fit his schedule to do it. Um, I just think people should people should post some tunes, man. It's uh, It's good. It's good to play these tunes, share them around. It's so easy to get it in our heads and think that nobody needs to hear us. But we need to hear you. Like, share that stuff. I'm such a better piper because of sharing it around. Um, and kind of more to, to Jamie's point, like, there's something special about listening to somebody that's just loving the tunes, you know, and, and thinking about it. Uh, over the course of kind of editing the episode together, I've been listening to Jamie play through quite a few Dixon tunes, and and the, listening to him play and then listening to our discussion meant that I quit being afraid of the black and the gray. So we're going to go out with me playing black and the gray, also because I have new border pipes and I haven't played them on the feed yet, and that feels like a mean thing to do to talk about them all the time and then not actually put it on the on the feed. If you're on the Patreon, uh, I've already put out an episode that's sort of like a mini album of me playing both of the channers and experimenting around with them. Um, but yeah, otherwise on social media, of course, I've been posting like crazy. Um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, you can see a bunch of me playing on these new pipes. But anyway, so this is going to be Black and the Grey uh, from William Dixon, 1733. Uh, I'm playing it with my John Swain border pipes, but I'm using a B-flat Shepherd small pipe channer. Uh, it works pretty well in the border pipes. I just tune the tenor drone down to F-sharp, and I can get the bass drone to, uh, to B-flat, and it makes a real full tone. Um, using small pipes, though, I, I don't get to do everything I want to with this tune. Uh, for an hour, I tried to get it right, and uh, on border pipes, I've added a second octave section that I think really works well, and I can do a little bit more emotive, kind of descriptive piece stuff with the border pipe setting, but it's it just keeps on defeating me a little bit. And uh, uh, the small pipe channer setting is a little bit more straightforward, but I still do some of that exploring stuff. So anyway, we'll go out on that. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash waytootwog. Um, you can also support the show by buying some merch. Uh, I actually have a t-shirt with William Dixon's name on it. So if you go to bagpipeswag.com slash waytootwog, I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, I've got a shirt that is easily my most niche shirt, uh, which is just a list of composers and collectors' names, and um, basically one letter in each name is, you know, capitalized and in a different font in order to spell out way too twog. So it's William Dixon is the first one with the W a little off. So William Dixon, Robert Remner, Richard Fitzmaurice, O'Farrell, Donald MacDonald, Edward Bunting, Walker Jackson, Eliza Ross, James Aird, William McGibbon. Uh, it's a very bizarre t-shirt to have to explain to people. So if you want a t-shirt that's just a list of names with some typing errors is what it looks like. I've got the shirt for you. Um, anyway, um, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back uh, in a couple weeks. And uh, also in the show notes, you can find links to Jamie's YouTube channel. Thanks again, Jamie, for doing this chat. Um, I'll link to uh, Matt's book too. So if you want to pick up a hard copy of William Dixon, um, you can go there. And we talked about Pete a fair amount in the podcast. So I'll I'll have a link to Pete's books too. So uh, anyway, cheers, everybody. Thanks. And we'll go out on the small pipe version of Black and the Gray played by myself. (laughs) 